My name is Matt Brown. Okay, I'm sorry. Do you want to lose? I throw, you catch. It's not that hard, okay? All right, get the out of here. And let's start the show. My family and I were wondering, where's the best place to get Italian food in the city? Well, there's a great place called the Olive Garden. <laughs> Everybody. The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Wednesday, November 2nd, 2022. Week 8 in the NFL is about to be discussed with some of the best internet podcasters out there. Great show ahead. But before we get into all of that, just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdComboPod, we're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. Thank you to Alexander DeJesus for all your work on our social media side of this podcast. So, week nine in the NFL was a very, very, very fun, stellar, and incredible week of football. Now, the matchups, so-so, but it has resulted in a very good week of football where as we hit the halfway point of the season, we are really starting to get a gist of who is here to be legit for the NFL, who is not here, who can actually make some playoff runs, and who is going to be meaningful for the rest of the season moving forward, and who is going to start their rebuild process. So, Alex Ranelio, Desmond Price, and Brian McKeon are with me to talk all things NFL for Week 9. Stay tuned after our panel discussion to hear what Raymond Russ has to say. He makes his picks for College Football Week 10 and the NFL Week 9 as well. And then we will hear our brand new outro song, FaceTime by the Great Saint Wave. Moving forward, we will be hearing that as we complete our podcast episode. So a lot of fun stuff, a lot of good things ahead. So why don't we get to it right away desmond brian and alex it's your guys turn once again let's talk week eight in the nfl and look ahead to week nine here we go this is a very productive conversation we are officially at the halfway point of the nfl season i see legendary quarterbacks clearly on the way out i see up-and-comers making a stance in the league i see Teams that people thought were going to be at the bottom of the barrel become division leaders and so much more in between on and off the field. So now that we're at the halfway point, let's review and let's look ahead. Let's talk about week eight and look ahead to week nine. Desmond, Brian and Alex are here. What's up, gentlemen? How are we doing, everyone? (laughs) Good week ahead. Happy Halloween, post-Halloween. And um, let's get into, let's start November football, gentlemen. Let's first start with the New York Jets and the oh. New England Patriots. The Jets lose to the Pats 22 to 17. The Jets, after what, a four game winning streak, they took 10 steps forward. And with this major division loss, I really took 20 steps back. Zach Wilson, boneheaded arrow errors, terrible throws, bad decision-making, 
three interceptions, scrambling and running straight into defenders. It seems our discussion regarding Mr. Wilson was justified. He looked awful when his team needed him the most. And uh, though the Patriots, I don't know if we're going to see them make it a deep playoff run anytime soon. Still trying to figure out the quarterback situation there and what they have. Bill Belichick, it seems when he really needs a win, he could pull it off. So to start this conversation and to continue what we said about Zach Wilson, does this confirm that Zach Wilson isn't the guy? And is Zach Wilson the one player holding the Jets back from making a comfortable playoff run? What have I said the entire season? What did I say last week on the pod? This man is their Achilles heel. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have a team like this, what I've noticed is, yeah, they're young, but they have veterans as well. You got to time. I always say a a good team lasts as long as the rookie contracts. So now we're in this window of, you know, we got to see how good these players are. You only got four or five years if you get that option. Then after that, you got to pay them. And that's when teams start falling apart because they can't keep their assets. This man is not it. You don't have the time to wait around and see if he could do well. You need to move for, move for a quarterback and you need to move fast. I'm upset that they didn't try to get someone in the trade deadline. Um, you know, I think Gardner Minshew is an upgrade over um, Zach Wilson yeah. a tenfold. And that would have been an easy, you know, late round pick to pick up and bring your team to a possible, possible you know, 10, 11 wins just, just by, you know, grabbing a backup quarterback because Zach Wilson is a third string quarterback in my opinion. He's showing it now. And one thing I also forgot to mention at the top, that there have been plenty of trades. The trade deadline was today, and obviously we'll implement that throughout the show. But yes, Brian, to go on your point, it seems you hit the nail on the head. Zach Wilson is the one holding them back. And this team on paper seems to they need a quarterback, but it doesn't seem that Zach Wilson's it. And if you want to give these excuses, you know, he's been injured, he's been this, that, and the other – I, it seems that the Jets don't want to look bad picking this guy second overall. And, you know, think of the other quarterbacks um, picked early on or other. And, um, and you know, they just – Joe Douglas doesn't want to look look bad, I guess. That's that's the tough thing now. And um, now you have options. What do you do with Mike White? He's on the bench now. Do you do that? You know, some people said that Zach did so bad that he was benchable against New England. I mean, like I mentioned, this guy – Looked like a lost puppy. And, you know, I think, does this show what happens when you draft somebody from the, I mean, do you, when you drop a, when you have some, a team that was independent, you know, they played in the Mountain West. They, they're in the Big 12 next year, but this guy did not play against NFL talent. Picking him number two seems to be disastrous. And, you know, who you could have picked Justin Fields or, I don't know if he would have been better in in the Jets system, but I think this is the Jets are really are really having a hard time <laughs> coping with the fact that they used a second overall pick on Zach Wilson, and he's ironically the one guy holding them back. I'd like to hear the both of you, Alex Desmond, if you have anything to add on with this. Yeah, I got something. Uh, you want to go first, Alex? No, no, you got the floor. Um, so I poached some stats from some smarter people than my, than myself. Uh, and so I want to share them with you. Cause I thought, cause when I heard them, I had to like pause and like write that shit down because I was surprised what actually what I was hearing. Of course. Um, Zach Wilson on Sunday, when he was facing uh pressure or, or a blitz, he went one for 14 
with 16 yards passing and went no touchdowns and three interceptions when facing the blitz. And apparently this year when facing the blitz, he's six for 41 and he's 0 for four. So throwing no touchdowns and four picks, which is the worst in the league. So this guy is struggling. There, there's just there's just no getting around it. I mean, he might end up being a decent quarterback, but I think right now when you're in a division that has Tua and Josh Allen and you're going to be competing with them for the next, what, seven, eight, ten years, I mean, this level of quarterback play isn't going to get it done. It's hard for me to say right now if it's Zach Wilson's the problem or if it's offensive scheme because, you know, yeah, Sal is a are, defensive coach. People so are like maybe blaming, they just need to – yeah. Yeah, people are blaming – Offensive coordinator battle four with his decision making as well. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm wondering, like, you know, is it really just all him? I mean, I think what needs to happen is if I was in that position, I get a new offensive coordinator in there. And if they can't turn it around within a year, then you got to move on from them. But I think, you know, it might be a little premature to get him out of there just yet. But I would say the leash can't be longer than a year. Yeah, so I'm glad Desmond kind of came in to buffer the center of this uh, debate because I'm closer to what Desmond's uh, referring to. I think that it's way too early to tell what the ceiling is on on Zach Wilson. And I do agree, like there are some limitations with his with his body and his throw and he has an injury history. Um, I think that the first step would be to probably address the offensive coordinator situation because the play call has never been quite respectable in New York. And I think that that's probably the first way to go about figuring out what the situation was, because if we kind of went down the same road with this mentality, Daniel Jones would have been gone last year and look how he's turned around with Dable. So I think that mm-hmm. before we jump to conclusions with Zach Wilson, you know, obviously there's concern and there's plenty of improvement, but you don't go five and three accidentally through eight weeks already. And I think that there's plenty of incremental steps that he can make to make changes um, before we give up on him. Yeah, the Jets are definitely missing Brees Hall though. I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean, they brought in Robinson on the trade, you know, which I think might eventually end up being, you know, at least somewhat significant. It probably won't replace Brees Hall. I think he's really dynamic, but as a team, they had like 50 yards rushing yesterday or on on Sunday rather. And that's just not going to get it done with a, with a quarterback who's not that great at passing. Well, and if you and if you're and if you're Belichick and you're defensively scheming for this team and you know that you're you're a one-dimensional offense immediately, then it's it's like it's you know it's it's just taking kid it's taking candy from a child. That's all it is. And make, it's as it's said, and uh, make it embarrassing in that sense. You were saying, Brian? So I'll make one more last comment. Do we all remember Josh Rosen? Remember that guy? <laughs> yeah, he was part He's of that. Bust. Uh, he was yep. part of that crew. Is he still in the league anymore? He's, he's a, a third he's round. A, he's a third string guy somewhere. Yeah, practice squad journeyman <laughs> kind of guy. Exactly. He's he yeah. with Baker. He, he's with the Baker, yeah. Josh, Lamar yeah. class. You were saying, though? Yeah. He has identical stats to Zach Wilson. Like, oh. you know, you could say he has, he has 51% completion percentage. Zach Wilson has 55.4. It's near identical. Same thing with TD interceptions and passer rating. Zach Wilson has 70. Rosen has 62. When you see bad, you smell bad, and you have the feeling it's bad, it's bad. Cut your losses like Arizona did, and they moved on. You you got a guy named Jimmy Garoppolo who will be a free agent next year who will not be going back to the 49ers. He's playing on house money right now. Get yourself average like you did with Ryan. Remember Ryan Fitzpatrick when the Jets did well? Yeah, you had that good year, and they went eleven and five. They missed the playoffs, but guess what? You just need to be relevant right now as the Jets. You're relevant right now. 
continue to be relevant. Get yourself a quick, quick but fix with the draft pick. I got to push back, Brian, because I think you just made kind of our point in the counter, which is like, this is the first time they are relevant. And, you know, you could say it's not because of Zach Wilson, but he's leading the helm in the interim. And I think it's very easy to look back and say, well, he's had a poor throwing percentage and this and that. And he looks, you know, resembling of Josh Rosen. But there's plenty of guys that have had horrible, horrible throwing mechanics over the years that just have routinely missed guys. So I think it's a little too early to give up on it just because it smells a little bad right now. No, I agree. I just, in my opinion, I can't trust a guy that, you know, they're five and three and they won games when he was hurt and they've relied so much on the run game that you, I can't judge him because of the way they're running this offense where I, I know an automatic plug-in of Garoppolo, regardless of what system is, is an upgrade. Yeah, I think my last point on this is that, you know, after seeing the Jets be mostly abysmal for my entire life watching football, I give I guess I'm giving the kid a little bit of grace because I'm just like Mm -hmm. this organization consistently just like messes it up with whoever they bring into their system. So maybe it's the system messing up again. You know, how many players have gone to the Jets and have their careers basically have been a watch because they were the Jets. You yeah, know, the exception of Curtis Martin, everyone else, Eric Deckers, Brandon Marshalls, uh, list goes on and on. But um, bad juju for the Jets, and doesn't get easier for them when they play Buffalo this upcoming week. Nope. So, I want to talk about the Ravens and Buccaneers, who had quite the week. So, Thursday night football, the Baltimore Ravens went twenty-seven to twenty-two. On the day before he announces his divorce to the world, who breaks our hearts and breaks our hearts, and we really feel for Mr. Brady, who's no longer with um, Giselle Bunchen, And, you know, on that day, too, he gets, he just, oh, man, losing at home to Baltimore with and a Baltimore team where most of the players got hurt in this game. Uh, they had no Dobbins, no Bateman, no Coleus Campbell. Uh, tough day. Now Tom Brady is three and five. Lamar Jackson shines again. And on top of that, the Ravens add Roquan Smith from the Bears. Something to note. So um, first, let's talk about Brady. And uh, yes, you, you have to throw in the, the gossip in here. Tom Brady is kind of funny how he is though he's leading the i believe he's leading the nfc in passing yards that's really it um three and five had problems keeping his weapons on the field um he looks like an old 45 year old trying to hold it together and on top of that he has his personal life going in shambles do we expect tom brady to pull off some miraculous internal comeback that despite him losing his family he's still able to uh, <laughs> possibly win his eighth Super Bowl or make a run or at least make the playoffs, whatever that can justify this, which has to be the most difficult year personally and professionally. You know, I'm not him, but I mean, it's tough when um, something you were on top of with your game, it's the, the reality is come, catching up to him. And then again, you know, divorcing from your wife of 13 years. Do we think Tom Brady will be able to overcome all of this juju? That would be some 30 for 30 or some mini series on Netflix. If he can, I don't want to watch it. Uh, (laughs) Um, I mean, it depends on how you define overcome. Say, can he, can he make the team? Can he make this a playoff team? 
Yes, 100%. The NFC South is trash overall. I mean, have you seen, like the four teams who are in the NFC South? I mean, what is the records? It's four and four, three and five, three yep. and five, and two and six, right? Good chance you'll so, see an under 500 team. So, as bad as they've been playing, they're one game out and they already have the tiebreaker over the team that's in first. So, it's, and we're halfway through the season. I've seen plenty of teams collapse in the second half and the Falcons don't need to collapse. They're just only one game up. So, I mean, right. Watching the Buccaneers play, I feel more of a problem is on the defense than the offense. As strange as that sounds, because you're right, the Bucs, well, Tom Brady is leading the league in passing yards. So, I mean, like when you watch them on offense, it's not that they don't have talent. It's just that they're somehow not on the same page, which, I mean, there's no guarantee that they will get on the same page. But if that's the only thing that's not clicking, then they're not really like that far away from turning some of those losses into wins, in my opinion. So I don't think it's dead yet. They have the Rams who are also sleepwalking coming to Tampa mm-hmm. Bay this week. I mean, I like that actually in favor of the Bucks, who against another team who can't figure out what the hell's going on with their team right now. So, yeah, I think it's premature to like write this team off. Are they a Super Bowl team? No, but playoff team in that division? Yeah. I give Tom Brady credit if he could bring this team to at least the playoffs, despite everything around him. And I heard his, uh, I listened to his weekly podcast, Jameer say on the, um, let's go podcast on Sirius. And this guy was, this guy was pretty emotional. Like, I don't mean a smile or smirk. I think he really, really is upset about what's going on. And if he could just somehow pull within that, that, that really is an amazing story. And, you know, I hope, I hope that uh, some miracle happens that maybe they get back together. I don't know. We could save that TMZ portion for another day, but I do think that does play a role into Brady's psyche moving forward. And it really does affect the entire Tampa Bay franchise. And I think that having an extended week, you know, having 10 days to prepare for um, a wounded Rams team is definitely going to help the morale and that and boost, you know, things in that locker room. I, I totally um, agree with Desmond. Like, you know, it depends on how we're defining expectations with how he's going to, you know, respond to resiliency here, because I, I don't expect this team. I mean, at the outset of the season, I expected this team to be up, you know, contending for an NFC championship once again, but I have to kind of adjust those, you know, and kind of couch it a little bit um, and just kind of, you know, hope for an NFC South title at this point, because um, they've got injuries everywhere. If you look at their IR, it's, it's, it's longer than, you know, most people's rap sheet coming out of prison. So it's like, uh, you know, there's a lot like there's a lot of stuff going on, but I think that this 10 days to prepare for the Rams will help um, get things in order. Um, oh, Brian, what, what do you think? You know, I was very disappointed by them today with the lack of uh, trade, uh, trying to make any type of trade, really, because no my opinion is for him. Yeah, in my opinion, it's not even the offense right now. Yes, it's struggling right now because they lost their, um, I would say, drive extender in Gronk and they don't have that anymore, so it's definitely hurting them. But this defense is playing piss poor, and it's a really it's a knock on Todd Bowles as a defensive-minded guy um, to not galvanize this group. This group was known to bring pressure, and they cannot bring pressure, especially now that they lost Shaq Barrett with the Achilles. Yeah. They didn't sign back Ndamukong Sue, who was your you know interior rush guy, but also a great run defender, and they're getting their ass kicked in the run this year. And, you know, they're not being creative. Like, uh, there is no reason why uh, Devin White isn't on the blitz. He's the best athlete 
on that field for them on defense. He needs to become a Micah Parsons type player for this team now with Shaq Barrett gone. That is a middle linebacker that can play the defensive end. Um, this is a team that needed Bradley Chubb um, because, yeah. you know, the, you know what I mean? This is a team that you, you want to want, you know, Tom Brady to succeed right now. You have to look at his early years on the Patriots. Ridiculous defensive front. Richard Seymour, Willie McGinnis. Like you need that pressure up front with some good, you know, solid cornerbacks and to, to anchor down that, you know, that pass defense. And then you, the, the offense will, his offense runs off of momentum. It always has, it always has, you know, it just, and anyone's offense has been, especially Brady's. It's all about momentum, time of possession and crucial key moments. And he's not getting those. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, Brady's always had a, he's, he, Maybe the greatest quarterback of all time, but he's also one of the luckiest quarterbacks of all time. <laughs> oh, absolutely. absolutely! I mean, because like he's sure. always had an absolutely like elite offensive line and a top tier defense <laughs> on almost every single Patriots or Bucks team he ever played on. He's never had a situation like a Peyton Manning or an Aaron Rodgers or a Drew Brees where like they had to overcome their terrible defense. Now he does, and he's withering. And he's and he's always benefited from a down division too. <laughs> Yeah. There's definitely been some ex machina moments as well. You know, yeah. Tuck rule, uh, 23 to 8. I want to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> tuck rule. Here, here's, you know, the list, the list goes on. Just a few quick words on the Ravens. How much better is their defense now adding Roquan Smith to the bunch? And especially for a team that's had some very tough games within a touchdown, um, yeah. tough losses, I think this can help prevent scoring against them. Obviously. That was a huge, yeah. It was a huge acquisition. It shows that they're here. They're they're here to play ball, and they're um, trying to make a deep playoff push. Because I think that right now, I mean, like you, you got to be, you know, heavily encouraged by what you saw, it, or a lack thereof, from Cincinnati the other night. Um, we'll talk about it later. But um, yeah, if you're Baltimore, you got to feel really good about that acquisition after seeing what you saw from Cincinnati, and you know, having them them having questions on that offensive line for Cincinnati. There's no logical way to look at the AFC other than to think like if you want to go to the Super Bowl, you have to be able to beat the Bills or the Chiefs. And so yeah. the question is like, all right, do we have the defense that is capable of containing that those teams are like under like 24 points, maybe, you know, because that's basically like where you want to keep it. You can't stop those mm-hmm. teams. You got to just contain them a little bit. Baltimore is looking at their defense and being like, nah. So, I mean, th- this tells me, like, as you know, Alex was saying, that they are invested in trying to win right now because Roquan Smith, uh, Smith being, what, the linebacker with the most tackles mm-hmm. in the league this year, and then over the course of the last, like, several years, he's been the best tackler in the NFL. Huge upgrade for them. I'm anxious to see where it goes from here. Ravens are winning this division. They're going to the playoffs. Let's just see how much further they can go. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree with that. I'm just very worried about um, the offensive side of the ball for the Ravens because I personally just Lamar Jackson's regressing as a passer this year. I don't know if anyone else has noticed that. Mm-hmm. Um, compared to last year, I thought it was his best, uh, you know, passing season, and this year he looks he looks like he does not want to throw to an actual receiver, and he rather do a check down to a running back or throw to a tight end. I see no progression. Um, if you, I watched that game, um, I have Rashad Bateman on fantasy. Did anyone see how pissed off Rashad Bateman was in this game before he got hurt? Constantly open with no looks. 
You know, mm-hmm. he's he. In my opinion, he is a he plays favorites. I Lamar Jackson plays favorites at the receiver position. Um, you know, Devin Duvernay got I think like almost twelve targets. Um, in the last like two games, he hasn't had that in his entire career. You know. And then you got a guy like a 50-50 guy like Bateman and guys like Likely who now have been getting played because of Andrews. Like a guy like Demarcus Robinson is finally getting touches, but he doesn't read through his progressions. And I'm worried against a good defense, he's going to get absolutely exposed. I I don't I don't uh I don't disagree with you there. And it's too bad another team that could have probably added another weapon in there, especially their injury problems. But doesn't seem to be the case. But that is okay. So the Bills and the Packers played each other to transition from one quarterback who had who may have seen his glory days behind him. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers did keep it close, hit the spread, but Bills win 27 to 17, and the game was closer than they thought it would be. But the Packers offense just does not exist anymore. Bills hit everything on all sides of the ball again. And it uh, looks like the Packers are on their way to a six or seven win season. And on this, the Bills added Naheem Himes, though he doesn't, hasn't gotten a lot of touches in uh, this, this season for Indy. And they did trade their, um, they did trade their number two pick in Zach Moss. So I thought that was an interesting move. I guess they don't see any potential or hope with him, but whatever. But from there on, the Bills really seem to uh, stay comfortable with what they have, and the Packers are doomed. They did not get a receiver themselves. You know, that's going to piss off Rodgers. Oh, boy. So do we put the nail on the coffin for Rodgers? As for me, who's been on camera and on microphone giving his endorsements it just seems that now as the losers keep stacking up the confidence is lessened and with the lack of a new weapon being acquired at the trade deadline i see them going through the motions from here on out for the second half of the year you guys agree with me with uh, green bay yeah i agree with you i actually i've never felt bad for a player before until aaron Rodgers in this season because like he really and i'm shocked because he's an arrogant guy and like a lot of people just don't like him as yeah alex does individual um (laughs) but no i feel bad for him because he really is by himself with aaron jones and they're just hanging out having having catch and you know i mean playing schoolyard bullshit because that's their only option at this point like this is such a rookie receiving room that they're, they're children they're children like i don't even like the image like they're just like they just don't know what they're doing. Like it's they drop the ball constantly. They run with incorrect routes. I constantly say it like I pray to God that Randall Cobb comes back with injured without any more injuries and Sammy Watkins gets more play and they could pull like an Odell Beckham from free agency because they're going nowhere right now with this room because and it's not their fault. They're just not ready. You're asking guys to be playoff ready in their you know, eighth game and it ain't happening. And I feel bad. Yeah. I saw, uh, I think it was like Lewis Riddick who was talking about the game the other night. And he had mentioned that Sammy Watkins just could not play on that field. Like he could not get open versus that Buffalo secondary. And this is their depleted secondary where they have, you know, some of these guys are their second string guys. Um, 
I look at the Packers front office and I have no idea what the hell they're doing. And I've been thinking this for years. I don't think this is just this year. They have one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And it seems like the people in the front office are actually actively trying not to make the team better. And I don't understand what the, what the calculus is here, because like, why wouldn't you surround a player like Rogers with weapons, but they've let time and time again, like they don't go after people in free agency. They don't go after people in trades. They're not like, they didn't go, they didn't sign, resign Devante Adams. And like, how does that make any sense? Like, why wouldn't you dump the money to make sure that he stays? I mean, like, I'm sure you could figure out a way to make sure that he stays there. Like, how are you going to like leave Aaron Rodgers with like two oh. rookies and then like an old Randall Cobb, you know, like Sammy Watkins who can't get open and Alan Lazard, who, you know, is on number one receiver. It's, it's just, oh. it makes no sense. The Packers have lost the last four games, guys. They're going to look, they're going to lose the next four games. Looking at their yeah. schedule right now, I'm calling losses at Detroit home to Cowboys <laughs> home to Tennessee and at the yep. Eagles, they will lose all four of those games. It will be an eight game losing streak for the Packers. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Now I, I, before we, before we move forward, you know, with this team, I obviously I'm going to enjoy some of my bragging rights, talking shit about Aaron for the past few weeks. Um, but I have to push back a little bit Desmond on the front office, because we know that this organization notoriously historically has not gone for the home run hit with some of their, um, you know, with some of their acquisitions and their, and their, and their deals and stuff. And there was a, there was a few deals on the table for Devontae to resign. They had fixed on a number, but his relationship with Aaron was a little bit fractured and and was repairable, but did not get done, get completed. So I put a little bit, on both Devontae and Aaron for not repairing that relationship. And I don't think that there's too much that the front office could have done to intervene with that situation. But I looked down some of the draft, you know, the, 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 um, the drafting that this organization has done. I mean, yes, they've gone a little more defensively heavy in years past, but they have drafted receivers and I think it's just been swinging, swinging and misses. So I, I don't know if it's a, a lack of effort, but maybe it's just a matter of scouting uh, problems that um, this team, you know, in this organization has uh, been, you know, uh, shortcoming with. So I, you know, I, I think that this, this organization has, you know, they've, they've kind of, been at bended knee for Aaron for many years. And I think that he's very happy and comfortable staying with this organization, you know, through thick and thin, as long as he gets his payday and he gets to take the, um, he gets to, you know, acquire the success when they win, but he likes to deflect when they lose. And this is just part of that, um, part of that process. So I think that while they go through this tough stretch, he's going to have to look inward and figure out what he wants to do and how long he wants to stay with the organization. I'll make this Final comment. The last time they drafted a receiver in the first round was 2002. 2002. That's the fair. Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys, when they had Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, um, Drandall Cobb, and Dalton Schultz and Jason Witten at tight end, drafted C.D. Lamb when they had no defense in existence. There's, there's, you just pick. The issue with the Green Bay front office is they draft for need at positions instead of drafting best available. That has always been Green Bay's problem. Some that and and you know, you could say they need a receiver, but they've also in the those previous seasons where they didn't need receivers really because of Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, they passed up on number one guys that you just have you can't pass. You can't pass on a Justin Jefferson. You can't do that. 
Even if you need a backup quarterback for that, you need a quarterback for the future. You can't do that. And that's what I'm saying is organizations been like that dating back to the far years. They're not going to change. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's what I know. Yeah. So I guess that for me, it's not that they're without, they're absolved from blame. I'm just saying that this is what, you know, um, average fans and commentators and spectators should kind of expect from this organization historically. But I would also say too, like they've had second round picks and this position particularly is notorious for being a dime a dozen similar to uh, a running back position as well. I agree. I just seen the last few years, it just passed because they've, they've tried to draft on necessity at other positions because they thought that Aaron would make anyone great. And you can't pass on five-star recruits like that. You can't do it. I agree. And that's what they get. That's what they get. Yep. And, you know, not much really to add about the Bills. Bills are the best team of football, and they keep adding yeah. to it. And, yep. you know, they'll get another good win against the Jets. I would real quick too, before we move on, I would only argue that that game was even close because of the two turnovers by Josh Allen. I thought if you look at the first yeah, half, that was, was a like, killer in the end zone. That first oh. half looked so starkly different. It looked like a pro team playing a college team. I swear to God. Yeah. You know, it killed, it killed your uh, fantasy like me. That was, <laughs> and no. um, we'll, wait, you had the Packers defense. No, I had Josh Allen. I needed oh, the, the, yeah. the funny, the funny thing. I know no one really cares about fantasy, but you know, me and Brian made a trade. I gave him Allen Lazard. He gave Brian Robinson and we both screwed each other. Oh yeah. <laughs> Allen Robinson, Allen Robinson is heard at Brian, uh, Brian Robinson. Robinson. Went, yeah. Brian Robinson went right back to running back by committee in Washington for no reason, even though he gets yards. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, my, and I have Antonio Gibson. I just didn't start him this week, and if I did, I would have won. I only lost by seven points, but there you yeah. go. That's how it is, right? Um, Sucks, guys. <laughs> let's talk about other things that pissed me off. New York Giants <laughs> got straight up outplayed by Seattle, losing 27-13. to 13. It was 13-all in the fourth quarter at one point, but it seems like a classic Giants game from the past few seasons. Daniel Jones turning the ball over. Saquon Barkley only getting around 50 yards. The lack of receivers really, really sucked in this game, especially. And uh, Seahawks just showed that Geno Smith is unstoppable. And the rookie class for the Seahawks is stellar. And for the one team, Seahawks thought, oh, it's slow for them. And then DK Metcalf comes back. It, this this Pete Carroll, you know, earning more of his strides for his Hall of Fame, his Hall of Fame status for that. Though I'm not too worried about the Giants. We have a bye week. We can, then we have two winnable games after until our big game against Dallas on Thanksgiving. But you cannot have that. Let's let this be a fluke game and it doesn't happen again. Or. We might be uh, going back to reality to know that this roster that is not that good on paper when they play against a franchise that is so much more advanced than you really see the true weaknesses of the Giants. So it's a tough place to be in for this big blue team. If they won, momentum would be as high as it can go, but we've definitely had a dose of reality this past Sunday for big blue. So before we get into the Seahawks and how, impressive they are the giants you guys agree with me that this might be a result of reality uh settling in had your worst game as an offensive line unit with 29 pressures and five sacks you can't win a game like that you know we saw that with uh joe burrow in the beginning of the season 
um, getting his ass kicked. And that's why they have the record they have now. So, you know, it's just, a you know, an attitude adjustment for that offensive line. They need to, you know, hone in, you know, in the bye week, look at their technique, see what they could pick up on and stuff like that. They're young. They're going to make mistakes. And especially against a Seattle defense that just has the um, pedigree of technical skills over the last decade um, because of Pete Carroll. Um, you know, it was a hard matchup for a young group like that. So this, it, you know, it's, I'd expect, I expected them to lose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a, that was a bad game to bet if uh, for someone like me, when you really knew that the uh, juju, this was a game where the juju and bad karma could definitely hit. And it did, especially when we were in it for most of the part, but we didn't run away with it when we needed to. And uh, the killer now acquiring a big receiver and, I mean, it's just it's tough because the Giants, nobody expected the Giants to be in this position that they may need to be a buyer. People really thought they were going to be sellers. There was talk about Saquon being traded, and it would have made sense if you're going into a complete day ball and Shane regime. Right. But what am I going to say? Oh, you're winning too much. Um, it, it, they're just in a whammy situation. And I guess they're going to try to make Darius Slayton a top 10 receiver in this league. And Wyatt Waddell Robinson, who was non-existent last week, Cody Bellinger's hurt, not Cody Bellinger. Um, I can't think of his first name, but Bellinger, the tight ends hurt with his eye socket injury. And uh, oh. it's, it's, it's a weird place for big blue, but we still winning, but I don't know. This is, this is, this is weird. This is weird. You know what? Let me, um, I said at the I said in last week's episode that if the Giants beat Seattle, that I would buy stock in the Giants. I am definitely buying stock in the Giants after that game last week, because um, I, I think just trying to look look at the whole picture. I think you know sometimes as fans you get caught up and you think like oh like sure. look at our record we should be this we should be that we should be buying we should be you know thinking like let's go out and get a receiver. I think I have a little bit of realism. The Giants have been trash for a long time. And now oh, yeah. you are six and two. And I'm looking at your schedule. NFC East teams, we have easy schedules this year. Let's not, let's not front about it. We got an easy schedule coming up in front of us. The Eagles yeah. do, the Giants do, the Cowboys do. Um, I think the Giants are gonna be just fine. They took a a Seattle team who is underrated by most people who don't live in the fucking in the Pacific time zone. Excuse my language. <laughs> like if you don't live out here in the West, like everyone thinks like, Oh, Seattle, no one thinks about that place. It's not the East coast, but like they have a great team up here. And I think playing in Seattle is hard for anybody. This game was 13 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. It was just the fourth quarter that got away from the giants really. And yep. The Seattle Seahawks have a great just like coaching identity. Like they will out scheme you. They will outplay you. Geno Smith, for instance, like next gen stats. I mean, they cover so many stats these days. They said that he is the most accurate quarterback in the NFL right now, as far as when they look at passes that are supposed to be on target. And I'm not sure exactly how they define on target, but apparently less than 10% of Geno Smith's throws this season have been off target. That's the best in the NFL. So, I mean, the Giants went up against a really good team. I think they played really well. I think the Giants still make the playoffs. I don't think there's any room to panic here. And you might not be a great team this year, but the Bills haven't been a great team every year. I think they've just gotten here this year. I think the Giants need to like think about this as like a, a multi-season kind of ordeal and not like oh, need to yeah. get to the top this year. You know, like you want to start here and just build up. Right. And Absolutely. take advantage of both the Gettleman and Dayball guys who have matched well and it's led to wins. And moving forward with that, I, I think 
we should go for house money. And that's why it's not, you know, I did just say I was cringing about not acquiring a receiver, but if it would cost such a major cap hit, like if it was Brandon cooks, who would cost 18 million guaranteed on the cap, that's not helping your rebuild up. whatsoever jerry judy i know the broncos want a lot for him so maybe in the moment i'm cringing at that but i know deep down it's the it's the right move and we're just playing from house money from here on out it's like the you know if we just to quickly compare to other sports atlanta braves in 2020 uh sorry the year before they won the world series in 21 20 19, 18, 19, 20 they'd win divisions and nobody expected them and then they just built off of that and look what happened so um definitely had a schedule for good reason and big blue baby uh, will take the week off and uh, definitely don't definitely have to go two and oh in these next two weeks. So that will be a problem. Now let's make fun of Alex and your team. Oh. <laughs> Las Vegas Raiders, Alex, they lose 24 to zero. They got shut out from this defense. I mean, reckon they do have some huge all-stars on that team and pro bowlers and all pros, but 24 to zero. Oh man. Uh, I, they say somehow keep momentum alive. You made Andy Dalton look like the old Andy Dalton, Devonte oh, yeah. Adams. What a, what a killer. And now Derek Carr has talked about being traded. What are you going to do now, Alex? <laughs> I would just sit everybody that's starting for at least a week just to punish them. Look, I, I was watching this game. I was like, and no, Kevin like, Harlan was calling it for you to at least. Yeah, that was the, that was the only bright spot. That was the only bright spot Sunday at one o'clock. Um, so I was watching this and I'm like, all right, they're getting on to a slow start again. And then I'm like, oh, wait, another turnover. And then another turnover. I'm like, mother, I'm going to have to turn this freaking game off. And lo and behold, I came back on the couch and it's in the second half and they're down 24 nothing. I'm like, oh, McDaniels, you just you just. You just dug your own grave, man. I was going to ask. You must be really furious, though. A lot of people are not happy with McDaniels right now. The way they've lost these games, you know, losing by five, losing by two, losing by one, they're all tight situational games where the coaching, it comes down to the wire where it's it's, it's dependent on coaching. And routinely, time after time, I've given him the pass in the first five, six weeks of the season. Um, I can't do it anymore. Um, This guy is... Uh, an entire he, – he's just an embarrassment. Um, he's had plenty of time in, in this league to, you know, win over people in his coaching career. And I think that the reason that he stayed on the sidelines in a cushy, you know, offensive coordinator job in New England is because he knew that he couldn't he couldn't take the, uh, take the noise. So, um, with that being said, like, I'm gravely disappointed in – um, this team and their inability, you know, their inefficiency on offense um, to produce more than they have. And I, but I have to put it at the feet of McDaniels instead of Carr because I knew going into the season what Carr was going to be. He was going to be high risk, high reward all the time, um, a minimal ceiling, but kind of a game manager savant that was, you know, ingratiated kind of as the identity of this offense. But under, you know, under the tutelage of, of McDaniels, I just, it's, it's unwatchable. It's absolutely unwatchable, and it's a disgrace that they've been able to waste these many weeks with this much talent. Well, sucks to suck. I don't know what to say. But, that was you my know, last 
my last Raiders game for the season. Yo, That's you're it. completely done. No more I'm watching. Not watching huh? I'm not watching one more. I have PTSD from the last seven weeks. I'm done. All right, going out of protest here. Do the Saints get deserve any respect from this, or are they no. just, uh, you know, they're just lucky to be three and five in again yeah. a very weak NFC. Saints offense puts up points. Every, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brian. No, you go first, please. Uh, the Saints offense puts up points every week. I mean, I don't know if this team is ever going to be a playoff team, but I mean, if you yeah, got, you but if you got fantasy players on the Saints, they're going to put up points for you every week. I mean, yeah. I, I'm just looking at, I mean, like you look at just the Saints, how many points they score. I mean, aren't they getting like over 20 almost every single week with, with, with the mm-hmm. exception of, I think two weeks. So, I mean, Andy Dalton, he's never going to be your championship guy, but I mean, he always puts up some numbers. I, the saints are, are I don't think the saints are going to the playoffs this year, but they're going to be competing in every game. So I think it's one of those, like they're a trap game every time you face them. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you this though. Andy Dalton just won starting quarterback for the rest of the season. Yes, that's oh yeah, true. he did. Yeah. No doubt in my mind. Uh shame on Jameis Winston for letting that happen. Um <laughs> you know, this man, Andy Dalton, has not been the best in the recent years, but you know, he's he's consistent. He's a game manager, you know, he he does what they need to do for them. Uh yeah. I would have liked to see I would have liked to have seen Alvin Kamara get traded. I'm a little yeah, disappointed surprise on that one. But that for a team like this that's not going anywhere in the near future, like that's a good asset to just get or get rid of before you have to pay him and you know, get some picks. He is definitely a at least worth one first round pick, I would think. That's what they asked for him, actually. There was a reports going around that the Saints want actually approached the Eagles and they offered Kamara to the Eagles for the first round pick that they actually gave to them for the Gardner's uh, web trade. I'm still said no, huh? I'm surprised we don't, we don't need a running back. Well, I'm, surprised, I'm surprised that Buffalo didn't make a move either. Yeah, no. having a dual back like that. I mean, that's that's some real value. Yeah, I guess. Well, I guess they only wanted to give up a second rounder, which is why they got Naeem Hines, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think the best. I think the best team would be for him would be the Ravens. Alvin Kamara and the Ravens would probably. Yeah, with their yeah. issues, but nope, he'll get to watch him in the Superdome. For fun. <laughs> Panthers and the Falcons. The Panthers had a game-winning touchdown at one point. DJ Moore goes in and then yeah, takes the helmets off. The unsportsmanlike conduct penalty pushes the extra point 15 yards back. And then Panero misses the field goal that would win it in overtime as well. But, you know, that is just – that is just – I, that is just unaccept, un, unexplainable on that one. Uh, Falcons are leading the division now with that. And, you know, for punishment, DJ Moore stays with the Panthers, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> he would have been a great person for any team needed a receiver to pick up. And yeah. they're just uh, as messy as it could be. But, you know, PJ Walker looks fun sometimes. But, um, yeah, the Panthers literally gave a game away. How about that? About that, you know, yeah. I'll tell you this. Go ahead, Brad. Good, good, like PR game for like the NFL on like its farm system with like you know getting XFL players, PJ Walker, <laughs> resurgence of Marcus Mariota, like Deontay <laughs> Foreman, who was like was like a second rounder to the Texans out of nowhere. It goes back to back hundred yard weeks. Like 
it's good PR. You got Damian Bird, who hasn't been relevant since like the Cardinals since 2016. <laughs> like, you know, it's good to know that people could, you know, you pull them out of anywhere and they could still play ball. So, you know, who is the NFL for keeping people's uh, careers and kids' dreams alive in this game? Brian, Brian, you know what this game was like? This is like your old Italian grandmother who just takes all the scraps that are going bad in the fridge and makes a stellar dinner. <laughs> yeah, this was stew. This was stew. <laughs> well, I mean, on nails. I don't know, man. I think the Falcons – I think if the Falcons win this week, they are definitely going to the playoffs. But Marcus mm. Mariota. That's what I squad. that's what I feel about this. If they beat the Chargers, their next four games after that are the Panthers, the Bears, the Commanders, and the Steelers. I mean, that's a that's a six game that's, winning streak. That's in a my great mind. lineup. Yeah. You know he's sixth in QBR right now. He's playing great. Like the offense Atlanta's yeah. offense is fantastic. Yeah. He, well, he, he has to he has to yeah, he has to drop on the team. interception ratios, but he's doing you know, he's doing decent. So but I know we're not in the business of giving out superlatives because we got bigger fish to fry on the show, but um, I did bring it up and I wanted to get bragging rights on this and come back to it. But week three, I was given a little love to Arthur Smith. Can we start throwing him in for coach of the year? If they keep this up. Clearly. I agree. Absolutely. This guy, okay. this team is not where they There's supposed few candidates to be above him, but I put it, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's going to yeah. table. Well, I, mean, I, I, I put, yeah, Pete, I put Pete Carroll him. above him. I yeah, I'm not him in the I was going to say Pete Carroll's also on my list, you know, but I mean, he could sure. be top five out of 32. Yep. And then the coach in Minnesota, too, for sure. Even the Miami coach, McDaniels. Like, yeah. we got a lot, we got a lot, a lot of players right now. I think there's a lot of up, up and coming young um, coaching talent, just period. Yeah. You get, I personally you just, am biased. I think it should be the Eagles coach, but, you know, I mean, and I'm you know, biased, uh, and I could say Dallas because we won four straight games with the backup quarterback. But you know that, that that's a fair argument. <laughs> that, that's a fair argument. The the Cowboys have looked good. I think with Sirianni though in Philly, and I don't want to uh, you know hang on this point too much, but I think like that was really just a uh, just a home run call from Howie Roseman in that front office because they were really at a crossroads where they still had some kind of shelf life with that roster when uh, when Doug Peterson left. You know what they the reports that I didn't know at the time, but the reports came out that uh, the owner actually wanted Jalen Hurts and Doug Peterson didn't want him. And I guess wow. that friction ended up leading to what led to Peterson actually leaving. Well, them getting what well, them asking him to basically not come back. And right. uh, usually whenever you see owners getting involved, you kind of like the Knicks, uh, not typically a good thing for the franchise, but um Worked out for a change, so that's worked cool. Out. At least we're not the Nets right now. Yeah, oh, <laughs> no. yeah facts. What a joke that story is. It really is. Hilarious. Broncos and Jags. Broncos win 27-17. They snapped their grueling losing streak. Russell finally had a decent game. ETN shows how dominant of a running back he can be and when he hangs on to the ball as well. I think Jacksonville is good, but they just can't close out games. And I've said this two weeks in a row now, but they made some moves at the deadline. They add Calvin Ridley um, coming off of his gambling suspension, which is another stupid thing that happened. But Broncos fans, this is one week where um, they are not looking for Nathaniel Hackett's head and um, Russell Wilson making fun of him. But regardless, do you think that uh, uh, the Browns, can keep this up beating on a good Jacksonville team 
but um, can they continue this momentum? Um, I'll go first. Uh, the answer is no. Yeah, I don't answer, think so either. It's, it's, it's a big it's it's a big no for me. I, I mean, I think looking at the schedule is important. That's why I keep doing it. I think their next game is going to be in Tennessee. I know that they're going to have like a week and a half to prepare for this. They're going to have well, two full weeks to prepare for this game. But I think that Tennessee is a far superior team to them. And then they have a division game against the Raiders after that. I, I think I think these are back-to-back losses for the Broncos. I think the Broncos were right to be sellers at the trade deadline. Uh, they made a mistake. Uh, still, time will yeah. really determine if it's Russell Wilson or the coach, but I'm in leaning that, like, whichever way you go with it, they're not going to be a playoff team this season, and I don't think they should be thinking in those terms anyway. Russell Wilson is not panned out, and we're already halfway through the season. Uh, it's not looking good for them. Yeah, no, I think this is more of a fluke win, if anything. I think, And uh, you keep hearing these reports about how this team really doesn't like him and the continuation of the Seahawks, too. And, you know, I mean, this is a game you get excited. You're in London, you know, the, the UK fans, just happy to see anyone coming out there. I think that does play into it. But once you come back to this country in the United States where you're looked at as a franchise that is just making so many boneheaded decisions, not even this win, where you literally had to go out of this country to, to take care of it, can erase those mistakes that will still be there. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I was impressed. They beat the Jags on their home turf. That was <laughs> team. That's funny. <laughs> Well, you know, no, Russell Wilson should have uh, opened up that spread some more. And, um, you know, Mr. Unlimited is just you win some more games before we 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 uh, stop bringing you down. Agreed. I'll make one point, though. This Jacksonville team in free agency after this season, if they make a splash, this will be a. Seattle Seahawks like resurgence that we're seeing right now with this team like they are so close to being a very good team the Jaguars like you could just visibly see it um Trevor Lawrence is playing lights out even though he had a bad game this week but like he's learning they remind me so much like the Miami Dolphins the last three seasons yeah in in like the trials of Tua like this is the trials of Trevor now and they're putting it together it's now the defense. The draft should be all defense next year. Absolutely. And that division's so winnable. I mean, so oh, yeah. easy. Every I, you know, team's I, every yeah. team's close to shambles. Yeah, basically. I mean, no, there's no good team in that division. I mean, even the best team, Tennessee, I mean, they're not like a great team. They just do a few things really well, and that's enough to win the division every year. Tennessee all- is one ACL tear in Derrick Henry away from <laughs> losing every single game for the rest of the season. And I'm not wrong. No, 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 not at all. He should be MVP every year because he is he the definition most valuable. Talk yeah. about a case study for CTE after his career. This man is going to be a mess. Mm. Uh, sad, hard truth on that one. But as we move on, I want to talk about your team, Brian, the Cowboys. You know, the Cowboys really had a true beatdown against the Chicago Bears. So... Let's discuss on this one. Cowboys forced turnovers on defense. The running game was explosive. Dak was dominating. A good classic momentum, a game where you get your momentum back against a much weaker opponent. Um, Chicago are three and three and five, though. I don't think that really reflects their record, but 
Um, they did add Chase Claypool to the mix. And I guess this is a move to show can Justin Fields do it with a legitimate receiver now? So before we talk about Brian's Cowboys, let's talk about this big trade from the Bears. Chase Claypool goes to a fran- not a playoff team, but a team that um, is really struggling. And a, a playoff team really could use him. But I guess, uh, th- like I said, the Bears might want to see what Justin Fields can do with a legitimate receiver. Do you guys read it that way as well? For sure. I was really shocked by that trade. Yeah. Like I, I thought Claypool was like a target for a lot of teams. I didn't think the Bears would be the the team to get him. Who would have thought they Agreed. were buyers out of any one? Yeah, I was just like I I saw them sell. You know, like um, Robert Quinn, Roquan Smith, and I'm like, all right, they're selling right now, they're trying to build up assets for the future. And then they turn around and get Chase Claypool. I'm just like, it just felt a little out of left field. But like, hey, you know, if you're believing in Justin Fields and you want to put talent around him, unlike the Packers there's a team who's actually trying to put weapons around their quarterback. And so like, yeah, it makes sense. And I think Claypool has had to play second to Deontay Johnson the last couple of years in Pittsburgh. So it'll be nice to see what he can do as a number one wide receiver now. Well, I'm glad you brought up Pittsburgh because I think this, this trade actually says more about Pittsburgh than it does Chicago. I think that they really like what they see with both Johnson and Pickens. And I think that, Chase Claypool, I think if you actually run the tape back and look at some of the missed opportunities they've had the past two years with him, I think that they were probably just trying to get that asset off the books. Yep, yep. And and uh, do we think Justin Fields, if he can somehow make Claypool his right-hand guy, do you think Justin Fields has at least earned another year at a starting as a starting quarterback for Chicago? I think he earned my. Seen... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. He earned my respect this game. I'll tell you that I've been a harsh critic of Justin Fields, and he took a beating, and he took it well, and he still put up good numbers: seventeen to twenty-three, one fifty-one, and two touchdowns. Uh, I'm excited because of Claypool because I think he. I think I think I'm I'm going to say and admit it. I'm wrong on Justin Fields, and he's just been constantly dealt a bad hand, and I want to actually see him do well now after him after him watching him take such a beating by Dallas. Yeah. I wanted to say that something similar that I called him a bust a few weeks ago. And I think that that was an incorrect statement because obviously what the bust was, was how they were using him. And Mm -hmm. as they've made the adjustments the last two weeks, we're seeing an explosive offense come out of Chicago. Now And I'm just like, it it almost, it's almost an indictment on Chicago as an organization that it took them this long to figure out how to use the guy, but now, but thankfully they're figuring it out now. And yeah, I think that if you can put up good amount of points on a Dallas defense and a Patriots defense, who I do not think are terrible defenses, I think you got to just pull weapons around the guy and see what he can do. Totally. And I think that this is more definitely more an indictment on the Bears organization because they're like allergic to offense. They have been even pre McMahon days. So um, I think this is just more an indictment on the Bears. I'm not, you know, I'm not giving up on Justin Fields um, just yet. Absolutely. And for the Dallas Cowboys, they didn't make any moves. But does that mean that this Cowboys team is going to be okay and they're going to make a deep playoff run now? Is Dak Prescott clearly going to be a second-half whiz? Brian, the Cowboys fan, tell us what you think So lack of moves and what it's leading to. Yeah, so I'll start with the game first. 
you know, I was worried about this game. I can, you know, Desmond thought that Dallas was going to do exactly what they did. And I was worried about this game. Um, and to be honest with you, if you take away the Michael Parsons fumble TD and a few, you know, lucky breaks from Powell, this was a close game in the beginning. You know, the Bears did play well against Dallas. And I was correct that losing Jordan Lewis in the slot cornerback was going to haunt us because I did see them get exposed consistently in the slot by Mooney and Dante Pettis, you know, getting a couple of key catches here and there. Uh, you know, they're great on the defensive front and, you know, they're, they're, they're the number one defense in the league for a reason. They're going to have hiccup games, but against teams like the Bills and Chiefs, they will get, I'm worried like a Juju Smith will go for eight catches in a buck 20 because of our now injury liabilities at that slot position. And our cornerback room has always been a little weak outside of Trayvon Diggs. So that I was, I really wanted them in the free agent market to hit up a cornerback or, you know, even pick up one like Chris Harris senior is still a free agent this season. And it makes zero sense. Um, in my opinion, there's no reason why we don't have Brandon cooks on our roster because uh, we easily could have traded the picks we got back from Amari Cooper that were lowballed. I don't know how we even made that trade for Amari Cooper from the Browns. We could have offered that for the Texans and took a player that, in my opinion, is the same caliber um, as Amari Cooper. I would say even better because he has fewer drops, Brandon, Cook, Brandon Cooks. He's just more consistent because he's been in the league longer for less money than Amari Cooper. So that would have been an automatic upgrade upgrade in the receiver room and really would have put the nail in the coffin, in my opinion, um, for Dallas definitely making the playoffs. Uh, I still think they will, but I think they'll be a wild card team. But yeah, it's uh, I'm aggravated by that. They could have made moves, but Dallas had a solid game and you know the bye is going to be very good for us. I think we need to heal up a little bit on some injuries. All right, all right. Yeah, it's a matter of getting healthy too, for sure. But um, I think the reason I feel comfortable about you know predictions with this team is that you guys already have a recipe in play place to win. Um, it's about you know relying heavily on that defense and you know play action with you know with Dak is is the backup to a strong running game. So yeah, absolutely, I do agree with that. My own my only issue is what happens when our run game gets shut down because it's gonna get shut down, and then we look like we always do against the. Buccaneers and then that's when we rely on Dak and that's when Dak becomes Kirk Cousins yeah you know I think um Cowboys got a really good shot at being the one seed this year um I really I really I'm I'm I I don't want to like you know drool over the Cowboys but it's it's coming from a place of almost like respect a little bit I think the Cowboys are the most overhyped team every single year every oh, single absolutely. year absolutely. and then no. this year it feels like it's deserved because I think the team is actually that good for a change um looking at it right now they have you know games at Lambeau and at Minneapolis in the next two weeks well their next two games I mean I think if you come out winning both of those, I really do think that this is going to be a team that's going to take a lot of momentum into that Thanksgiving game against the Giants. And if they win that game as well, I think they show up to the game with the Eagles on Christmas Eve at 12 and two. So, I mean, I think yeah. the sky's the limit for the Cowboys right now. They seem very complete minus, you know, a couple receivers because their pass game's a little suspect sometimes, but yeah, man, the Cowboys look great this year. I think, um, yeah, they finally got the, they finally deserve the hype. 
Yeah, I, I think they were under underappreciated this offseason just because of the question marks, which is rightfully so. Um, I'm just still not sold on them because of how weak the schedule is. And I need to see them. I need, like, I wish they played the Bills in the regular season because that would be the test. I like mm-hmm. my defense is going into the playoffs unchecked besides the Eagles. And I don't even count that as a ch- getting checked because we always play good against each other. Yeah. Each would, quarterback would, always each quarterback always scores three touchdowns on our defense, and you get least, up for the rivalry games every time. Yeah, that's what I mean. So it's like we're gonna go into this playoffs unchecked, and the 49ers are gonna wash us. It's just that's like my fear. <laughs> the um the minute the Minnesota game will be definitely be must watch November twentieth. But you know if you know, if your Kirk, if your Kirk Cousins all the uh all the all the ghosts from years past will be coming out because it's a four thirty game. So watch out. Oh, especially if it gets flexed. <laughs> yeah, it might get flexed. It might get flexed. Yo, um, why don't we talk about the other an another NFC East team that has been making some noise? And let's focus on this: the Philadelphia Eagles in a battle of Pennsylvania. Eagles route the Steelers. Hell of a game for the Eagles offense. AJ Brown, three touchdowns. It doesn't get any better than that. And before we talk about the Steelers who are trying to figure out what the hell they are, and I really want to spend a few minutes specifically on them, but with the Eagles here, are we now convinced that they are top NFC team at least? And I'll give it to the Eagles fan wearing the uh, jersey. Or no, still as of today, the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. I mean, the NFC is weak this year. It just it and you know we might not be the best team in the NFL, but playing the way we are, I don't think there's another NFC team that I would say is definitively better than us. I am a little worried about Cowboys, Giants, 49ers, maybe the Seahawks, but that's about where the train ends. I mean, and I don't think that any of those teams are better than the Eagles, but they may be like you know able to compete with us. We have a complete team. I mean, this team is going to go as far as uh, Jalen Hurts goes. And as of right now, he is playing mistake-free football. And that is the most important thing that I could ask from him right now. And what I was really worrying about at the beginning of the year was his ability to play in the pocket and his ability to actually like stretch the field. Can you throw down the field and actually like make the defense defend us at every level? They've been able to do that. And um, yeah, I, I like where we're at right now. And I think that the Eagles have a solid chance of getting into the playoffs as the one seed when maybe like, 14, 15 wins. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. A, I could see that going on too, especially in this breakout year for Jalen Hurts. Like, wow, wow, some good stuff on this one. And he's Did, my fantasy quarterback. Mm-hmm. Not miss that one. Let me know another <laughs> thing with, with you, Brian. Are you nervous about this Eagles team as the team that, um, you know, with the Giants figuring out what they still are? And, you know, the game in Dece- when they play each other twice in December, that'll be the true test. But at least for the Cowboys, who may have the best chance in this division, at least to bring them down, comparing them talent wise. Are you worried about the Eagles at, at all and them running away with it? Uh, I'm not really worried. Um, I think regardless, I, don't, I think we'll win the, the, you know, I think we'll win the second game against them. Um, this season, it's a possibility that you guys are just undefeated still at that point. You might start resting players for the playoffs. So I'm hoping on that. Um, but I also just think that Dallas is getting more mature on defense and more explosive. So 
Um, you know, barring any more injuries, I think that we'll, I think we, I think we'll win again, but I don't think we'll end up seeing you guys in the playoffs just because it would have to be in the NFC championship. And I don't think that Dallas would make it that far, but to be honest with you, I think Philly's the best team in the league. And I think they would, I think they put about, I think they put 35 up on the bills right now. I think they would absolutely destroy the bills. I think Philadelphia's one problem will be, um, not in the NFC and the AFC in the Ravens, the Titans, or the Chiefs. Chiefs just because overall well-rounded, and I just don't like your team against the run. That's, no, I thought I it was a that, big deal to add Robert Quinn. So I was. Really I thought, it, yeah, that. that's your that's your yes, pass that. rush guy. But I'm still worried about your interior just because Fletcher Cox is gets mid-season injuries now throughout the last mm. couple of seasons, and he's getting old. And like, if you guys. You know, it's not going to happen. But if you saw Derrick Henry in – actually, you guys played him this year. I think you guys played the Titans, right? December 4th. Yeah, that could, be that, a game. Bad, that could be a bad game. That could be like a, a real uh, self-evaluation of your defense. Yeah. Yeah, my best friend's a Titans fan, so we already got plans to go uh, watch the game together. <laughs> no, it's good, sick. yeah. yeah. But it's, it's, it's their Super Bowl to lose. So for the Steelers now – even with DJ TJ Watt coming back, it seems like the Steelers are just riding it out and seeing if Pickett could be a starter long term. And you know what? If you go off of this game, he should not be starting long term. 191 yards of pick and sack six times. I don't know if we could say Kenny Pickett has earned his spot in the starting role yet. Do you guys feel the same way? Agreed. Yes. Yeah. D stinks. Uh, they're stuck with them. Because their yeah, alternative right. is Mason Rudolph, but um, yeah. or Trubisky, so yeah, they're kind of stuck with him for right now. But he's not showing anything great. But I guess neither did Peyton Manning his first year. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, or I mean, Josh Allen. You know, it's gradual. I think this is this this team is it. They need a coaching adjustment in the offensive side of the ball. I think Matt Canada is killing this team, and I think they really need to have some. Uh, Offensive line help, and then they'll start actually being able to uh, evaluate uh, Pickett. There's just too many question marks across the offense for him to handle. He makes yeah. bad decisions, and I, I really do think that's just a. Um, I, I don't know if that's going to change over time, but as of right now, like he, yeah, he just doesn't go through his progressions the right way. Oh, I think he's doing that because I think it's there. The offense is getting shut down before the play is happening. I think he's trying to manifest a first down on every play because it's yeah. not, it's they're not, it's, they're not helping him. They're not helping him when yeah. you have, you know, when you have Ben Roethlisberger in an interview, make fun of your offensive coordinator, like that should tell you there's a problem. Oh, the pain, you know, it, it's funny. I think this season, especially not to get too deep, but when you just see so many people year after year after year succeeding, the Brady's, your Mike Thomas and coaching Rogers, it really does show you that life really does come around eventually. You can only win for so long. Bill Belichick is another example. And I think the Steelers, especially with Mike Tomlin, who's never, I think only once went 500, but has never had a losing season since he took over. And um, after 2006, and well, it teaches you people don't get too cocky, and, be humble. What does the NFL stand for? Not for long, because it's not even just that you have 
you know, a regime that lasts 10, 12 years, but it's the fact that it can evaporate so quickly without the right pieces and the right uh, formula. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, So (laughs) the Dolphins and the Lions, guys, the Lions continue to be lovable losers. But as we talked about last week and the years prior, man, Dan Campbell is getting one long leash. Again, the game, another momentum game for Miami. The game was close. Lions had a two-touchdown lead to start it off, but Miami runs away with it. Tua dominates 326 passing yards, three touchdowns. Nobody's talking about his concussion issues on Sunday with Waddle and Hill making big strides. And um, like I said with the Lions, enough is enough, but uh, Dolphins now add Bradley Chubb from Denver. You add him with Phillips and Ingram, and the Dolphins clearly are a much better team. I think they are the best winners out of everybody who made moves in the trade deadline with Miami winning and uh, beating up the Lions when they needed to. Do you guys agree with the fact that the Dolphins now could be a serious contender of the AFC after these moves they made, especially, um, especially with adding Bradley Chubb from Denver? They just put the bills on notice. Yes. They literally just they grabbed Bradley Chubb. He walked in the door and they said, Go trick go egg this guy's house. Happy Halloween. That's what they that's what they just said. <laughs> they said the Bill, we're here to play. Bills and the Bills should be terrified right now because Josh Allen does not do well in a shootout yet. He hasn't mastered the art of the good full gunslinger yet, being able to win these shootout games. And Tua can we've seen Tua do it this season, you know. This is now, in my opinion, the most wild card, frightening team in the NFL now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think like they've definitely solidified themselves as the biggest wild card in terms of shaking up the AFC because I can't necessarily put them ahead of you know Kansas City, Baltimore, Buffalo, but I think they're right there in the conversation. Um, you know, just a step below them. Yeah, they're not consistent on either side of the ball, offense or defense. But when you have the offensive weapons they have with Waddle and Hill, Hill is actually on pace right now to actually break the single season receiving record. I mean, you can't really go into any game feeling comfortable against them. So, I mean, they may not be the best team week in and week out, but I think if you put them against any team on any given Sunday, they might win. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what's going to happen next with them. Their schedule is actually really easy coming up. So, I mean, I think they could win the next five. And I'll say this, what I really love about this team is that they have veteran experience that's gone to the Super Bowl. Yeah. They got Hill. They got mastered. Like, they have guys that are like, I've done this before. This is what you need to do. Join with me. Hop on my back. Literally, rookies, shut up, play ball. We're not going out anymore. It's week 14. It's cold out. Even even though we're in Florida, it's time to start doing film and learn. Like This team is in a position to make moves. And no doubt about it. No doubt about it. How about the Vikings at Cardinals, though? I think the Vikings are putting teams on notice, especially in the NFC. This clearly is the second best team. Minnesota is the second best team in the NFC. Minnesota wins their fifth straight. Uh, 
Very good football. It was close, but Arizona could not top it off. I think the big thing to take out of this is on the final drive, in the final play, Kyler's on midfield. This dude stumbles right at midfield. And for a guy who's criticized about his lackadaisical nature, if his head is truly into it, where you get to a point where you can't even chuck it and you have one of the best Hail Mary receivers and DeAndre Hopkins out there, that was bad. Really, really bad. And um, now they added T.J. Hawkinson. It's a hard word. T.J. Hawkinson, the tight end from Minnesota. Sorry, sorry. From Detroit to Minnesota. So they now have a legitimate dump of off uh, option since the first time since Kyle Rudolph. I think um, as we talked about teams put on notice, this is the one with Miami. Dalvin Cook is staying healthy. Thielen and Justin Jefferson are one hell of a duo. Pretty good offensive line as well. Kirk Cousins, I know he's easy to make fun of, especially in primetime games. But we hope that this guy has essentially the the practices and when it does get flexed that he can win a big game for Minnesota. And let's say he doesn't. Clearly got to move on from this guy because he's gotten so many chances. This very nice goofy quarterback who's who if you want a good youtube view watch his high school musical clips they're hilarious but anyways for focusing on the vikings on this one vikings why aren't they getting as much love as the eagles um or or as we mentioned the cowboys or any other winning teams i mean they're six and one now they they are pretty dominant why not the love for minnesota they play in the cold <laughs> yeah, maybe. lack of media. Honestly, lack of media exposure. To be honest with you, Ooh, probably lack of media exposure. Yeah, I think hey. it's because also two people have couched their expectations, getting disappointed by Kirk Cousins, and mm-hmm. I think the shortcomings have kind of let people kind of stand on the sidelines and be like, "All right, let's see, let's see." But um, you know, I don't want to. I just want to say the last thing with just kind of the the opener here. I think like. Um, they have to be in the conversation up there with with Dallas and Philadelphia just for the NFC. I think they're the fifth best team in the NFC right now. The fifth. fifth. I think that they are – I think that we give them too much credit for that record. I truly do. And I think that, you know, after – I think four of their next five games are extremely challenging. Having to face the Jets, the Patriots, the Cowboys, and the Bills. I mean, we'll know who the Vikings are made of, what they're made of pretty soon here. But as of right now, man, I think that the Vikings are kind of massively overrated. They've had an easy schedule so far. They've barely beat some of these teams that they were up against. They've had to have comeback victories against the Bears. They got shelved by the Eagles. I mean, that's why they're not getting as much loved as them because they played horrendously in that game. I thought the Vikings defense was just giving Jalen Hurts first down after first down after first down, playing this whack shell coverage the whole game. And Kirk Cousins consistently folds. He's not a new quarterback. He's been in the league for a decade now. We know who he is. And so, yeah, it, I mean, I see a 6-1 and one Vikings team. I think they'll go to the playoffs. I think they'll win this division. But this is not a juggernaut team. I think if, if you put them on the field with a, like San Francisco, Seattle, the Giants, the Cowboys, or we've already seen the Eagles, I think they lose to all of those teams. Yeah. 
Oh, I, I couldn't I couldn't disagree more. Not because I disagree with your assessment of uh, Kirk Cousins, because I think that this team can only go as far as he takes them, particularly in conjunction with O'Connell, who's a, a rookie, you know, head coach. But um, I think they're they're I think they're far better than um, um, I think they're better than San Francisco, to be honest with you. And I think that you know they they may have had an easy schedule thus far, but. Um, I don't put a lot of stock in the Patriots and I don't put a lot of stock in the commanders or the jets. So I could easily see them coming three and two out of the next five games. I'll make this comment. They're at the second seed right now. And they'll probably stay at the second or third seed. If that's the case, the three teams that they're probably going to see are Seahawks, Giants, 49ers. Um, you know, like uh, Desmond said, and like I'd be terrified of Seattle right now if I was them. I'd be terrified of the 49ers just because of the amount of weapons because the other defense is playing well this year, but I also have to I also have to remember like in the last previous years, they're an old de- defense that has been lucky to not get hurt yet. Like Pat Peterson's like like what, 75 at this point? Like <laughs> if he's gone, if he's gone, there's no cornerbacks on this team. Like it's that, and they get they get abused in the passing game all the entire season. Really, they just luck out that their offense can keep up with other teams. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's they're very fool's gold to me. They're fool's gold. I agree. I, yeah, I understand that, but I I also think to be honest, I think Seattle's fool's gold, and I don't say that I don't say that with any like any joy because I like kind of the, the, the comeback nature of this team and this franchise with Pete Carroll losing out on Russell Wilson, letting him walk. I think like they're, they're very easy to root for right now, but I think they're far more fool's gold with having Geno Smith, Smith almost playing an aberration kind of type season out of nowhere. Let's clip that. Let's come back to it. The first week of December. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, seriously, that would be great. That would be great because I will happily eat that if they go on a chance, if they go on a run. Hey, it'll be. Should do that. You know it. We should do that for an episode. Clip all our uh, hot takes that went ice cold at the end of the year. <laughs> well, and there are there are more than a few on that one, but that's why we love it. Yeah, and people definitely remind us for it, but we appreciate it. <laughs> we appreciate it, fans. Thank you. Monday night football had the Browns oust the Bengals. Well, now it was weird because I saw a lot of people say pick the Browns. And I was like, really? And I, I wish I wish I did. And they also and uh, um, who would have thought there? But the Browns defense just annihilates Burrow and the Bengals offense. The offensive line clearly is still a major, major issue for the Bengals moving forward. Jamar Chase was definitely missed in Cincy. But uh, Chubb is the man. Cooper looks good. Brissett. Clearing in his boomer bust year continues to keep Cleveland at a competitive record. They have him for two more weeks after this game. And um, so, yeah, they have him this week, next week. And then we know the transition there with Watson, but the Browns, anything, did you guys expect this to be such a blowout as it was? I didn't expect a blowout, but the Joe Burrow has not beaten the Browns in his entire That's career. That's right. He's 0 and 4. Yeah. Wild. And the Browns have won five times in a row. I think we don't, I think as fans appreciate how important division games are in certain divisions. I mean, I, I think it's in every division, for being honest. You know, like you play the same teams again and again. They don't have to scheme for you so well because they know who you are. They know what your tendencies are. They know what your weaknesses are. 
And some teams just have the better of you. Just just bad mashups. I mean, I think that the Bengals defense is not great against the run. Every time that they're facing a good running team, they get whooped. And Nick Chubb is the second best running back in the NFL. And the Browns offense has been playing great all year. They've only had one game where they weren't competitive. I mean, yeah, they have five losses, but in each of those losses, they were one score games with the exception of the Patriots game. So, I mean, this is not a bad Browns team. And so I'm not surprised they lost, that they beat the Bengals, but I'll, yeah, that final score was a little shocking. I'll, I'll tell you guys. Um, I'll tell you, this is a botch season by the Browns. Like I'm happy for this win, but like shame on them. I'm looking at their record right now. They lost one point to the Jets by three points to the Falcons, by two points to the Chargers, by three points to the Ravens. Yeah. Yeah. And they have a hard stretch right now in the next three with Bill uh, Dolphins, Bills, Bucks. But after that, they have an easy schedule. Like They're probably going to lose against the Miami and the, and, and the Buffalo, right? They'll go to three and seven, but they could yeah. easily, you know, sweep every game after that. Ravens might be iffy and walk into nine or ten wins. Like this team, I expect you could pull off a wild card with some help, but it's a shame that they didn't click more earlier in the season because they would be a lock for probably, I would even say the yeah. division. <laughs> it might now be. With, yeah, with Deshaun Watson back, like if he comes back to, I would say, half of what he was in, in Houston, this team is it's going to be scary. Because look at what Amari Cooper's doing with Brissett right now, who is more of a conservative quarterback. And yeah. you get Njoku back in healthy. Donovan Peoples-Jones is coming coming into his own. Like this is going to be a scary team to face as if it's a, if they get like a seven seed in the wild card. And I think and I know. think this team I think this team is uh, plays and is galvanized by Stefanski. I think they've had a bunch of shenanigans in years past, and I think that Stefanski looks like you know one of the the young minds that's like really going to run this team for a while. I, I agree with everything you guys both said, and um, it is a shame to see kind of these first seven eight weeks go to waste for Cleveland because they've been competitive in all these games, and they you know essentially really are just you know a kind of a quarterback clinching you know, game performance, winning game drive, game winning drive away. Sorry. I had my words missed together, but um, yeah, no, I, I think that when, you know, Deshaun comes back, he's going to be inheriting what I think is kind of, you know, uh, a playoff roster already, you know, already made. And I think that um, it, it's hard see, you know, it's, it, I don't want to read too much into the Cincinnati loss because um, I think that a lot of this was just poor offensive mind play. Um, Burrow looked under, you know, under duress all night, but, um, if I have to grade it, I think scale one to 10, I think it is a little more concerning than just kind of a blind spot in the division, because I think there's a lot of things to clean up. Um, you know, having Jamar chase out of the game, that's definitely concerning. You know, you want to get him back healthy, but, um, I think they have some things to really, uh, address if they're going to win the division. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. I want to make one statement really quickly here. In the essence of wanting to have more hot takes, uh, the Bengals will not make the playoffs. <laughs> I guarantee it. They will not be one of the seven teams from the AFC. Boy, that would suck for Burrow trying to get a new contract. So if he wants to get paid, get these wins. Two more games to go before we uh, make our picks. 
the Commanders, you know, the NFC East is good. Give credit to this Commanders team. They're four and four right now. Watch out. Another huge win off of Indy. Gibson's underrated, and um, he made the moves as as Brian made the point. Went back to running back at committee. Seems Gibson's getting more of the touches. McLaurin is good when you need him to be. Huge game-winning touchdown for him. How about Taylor Heineke? Time to stick with him. Focus on Washington here and then make fun of the Colts. Heineke, is he the way to go? Even with uh, in the time for Wentz to come back? I say he is. I mean, he, played, he started a playoff game. Keep him in it. You know, I, they definitely have so many hills to climb if they want to make the playoffs. But um, Washington, how about them so far? Even a very impressive, I would say, four and four after eight weeks. This is a, this is a, their schedule is really not that bad. Like they can sneak in in the seventh seed. And like, we were just talking about the Vikings, like this commander's team could beat the Vikings in a, in a playoff game like, or come close to like um, they, you know, Heineke did against the Bucks. What was that? Like two, 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 three years ago. Like, Hey, they're like, they're, they're the weirdest team in the league that they're bad, but good. I never understand the Washington commanders. Like the defense could be elite. They have the offensive weapons. They just, for some reason, I think it's just the dysfunction of the organization in the front office and the owner that really like, you know, handcuffs these guys. And it's a shame because this team, you know, that's why if you notice Ron Rivera is not getting fired. I think they all know that he's a capable coach that can make this team a playoff team. It's just they need to get rid of the dysfunction. Yeah, especially with what's lingering over their head with all the Dan Snyder shit uh, stuff right there. Um, Washington Commanders are the New York Knicks of the NFL. (laughs) Only they have a less passionate fan base. And, you know, when they win, they, 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 they come out when they win, but when they lose, they definitely leave. Yeah, they're silent. Now, I, um, I, I'm agreeing with you with the one thing you said that you have no idea what's going on with this team. I agree with that a hundredfold. Like, does anyone know what's happening with this team? I, I don't know what's happening with this team year over year. It feels like it's just like incompetence is like the phrase of the Washington like football franchise. It's just you never know what they're doing. They never seem to have a plan. And I'm grateful for it because it's just one less, you know, team that's got to deal with in my division who's good. Uh, but both, as far as the Taylor Heineke question is concerned, he's a big upgrade over Wentz, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, talent wise, again, I think I've said it all along. I think Wentz has all the talent, but he just can't seem to figure it out up here. And Heineke seems like he may have less talent, but he's poised. He's a leader. Uh, he doesn't seem to get like phased in big moments. He's got a connection with the people on the field, in the locker room. I think it gives you the best chance of winning. I, I don't think this is a playoff team, but I think that they're at least more competitive with Heineke on the field. Well, I think I think they took a chance on Wentz as like a last resort, you know, for, for his sake. But um, I think they're definitely far better with Heineke, even if the ceiling is low. But um, I, I think, you know, all in all, like if you look kind of back at who they've played, you know, all things considered, their defense is, is not is not terrible. Um, they've kept, you know, a lot of teams, you know, the Bears at seven, the Packers at 21, um, Titans at 21. Like, 
it's a lot of tight games, and I feel bad for Ron Rivera because I think he is a stellar coach, and he's you know had a lot of adversity with in his personal life with cancer and his health, but also in terms of just like instability, both in Carolina and in Washington. So I think that you know this team is a mixed bag, and like you don't know what you're going to get, but I think there's a lot of promising assets under the leadership of Heineke if they can if they can keep riding with him. Yeah. I, I'm team Heineke, even though I don't want to seem to be the Giants. But uh, but I, I think it's a cool story there. And as for the Colts, <laughs> Indianapolis Colts. Ooh. Ellinger's first start of the season, 70 for 23, 201 yards, zero touchdowns. Jonathan <laughs> Taylor, only 76 rushing yards. Whoever drafted him first in fantasy got duped. Got played, bamboozled. <laughs> oh, man, what a terrible drop-off after a stellar season last year. Non-existent. And the Colts fired their offensive coordinator today. Looks Good. like bad things coming in Indy, guys. What the hell happened to the Indianapolis Colts? Age. Age and injuries. That offensive line used to be pristine, and they lost people to injuries, free agency, and age. And they can't get the run going, and they've relied on an old quarterback, another example of age, and Matt Ryan with the noodle arm, and they put all their stock in that, and this is what happens. But yeah. Ellinger played efficient. <laughs> oh, yeah, efficient. What have we got? Efficient. Get, well, we'll Such take a that. boring team to watch. Yeah, they are. And they can – Michael Pittman, he's, he's not – He's not uh, making you dance or go crazy. You don't see him on the high reels. No, I like um Alec. What's his name? Um, Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce has yeah. some potential. Yeah, he's nice. yeah, that's really, Cincinnati. He's good. He's what Hunter Riffle was supposed to be. He he. Well, and outside, I mean, outside of a hurt, you know, uh, uh, Darius Leonard. It's like who else do they have on this defense? Like, because like you know, as a Raiders fan, when you see ex Raiders on this team, you know that's going to be a shit show of a defense. Um, they have like, I think they have three or four former Raiders on this defense somehow. So you can clearly tell that they've kind of piecemealed this roster. Like Brian said to his credit of an aging team. So um, they're, they're going to have to do some serious retooling because I think their window is kind of get closing before our, our very eyes in terms of uh, playoff wins. I think they need to rebuild. I, I think yeah, they just gotta I, they gotta just sell. Yeah, I, I think, think Frank you know. Reich is a lame duck coach at this point. Yeah, they gotta sell. Yeah. yeah. I think it also comes to the bigger picture of we really can't spend so much money on primetime great players when you want to try to make an average team. Because like I'm looking at the defense of the Colts, star players. You got Yannick Ngakwe, who I wouldn't even call a star, I call him a good player. Stephon Gilmore, great player. Shaq Leonard, great player. DeForest Buckner, great player. They paid all three. Where's the other eight guys on the defense? You know what I mean? Like when you pay top tier for three guys, you have to fill in with the draft average or good players or you're going to get this result. Mm -hmm. Defense hasn't been the problem for the Colts in my my opinion. I mean, just looking at just final scores from each one of their games – I mean, they're not really getting blown out in any case. I mean, even especially you look at the Chiefs result, 20 to 17 there. But going across the board, they've been holding almost every offense, at least somewhat like in a manageable position. The the Colts offense just can't produce anything. It's almost unwatchable. 
watching the Colts play offense this year, and they've got to just blow that thing up and, and start over. Bye bye. I agree with. Yeah, I agree with that. It just I remember from this offseason, all the defense talked about was how it was going to be a top five scoring defense in the league, and I haven't really mm. seen that. Well, I don't that, see the turnovers. I do real quick before we move on. That's what I kind of wanted to clarify with my comments about the defense. It's not that I'm shredding particularly like their entire defense as a whole because they have kept this team in in uh, games that they have no business being in with their offense being so bad. But I think that you know you look down the list and outside of like a few players like Buckner who's 28 years old, like they don't have they're kind of like one or two injuries away from really having like kind of you know uh, a, a real piecemeal roster. Well, peace out, homies, on that one. Tough <laughs> days in Indies. You know, what are you going to do? Final game to discuss. Take it back to West Coast again. The 49ers with a beatdown against the Los Angeles Rams. And pretty much was, even though the game was in L.A., it was a home game for San Francisco. Without Debo, 49ers go in. Christian McCaffrey shows his value when healthy with a touchdown reception, a touchdown run, and a touchdown pass. Wow, the 49ers really clicking. And um, that Christian McCaffrey move, they'll do anything to make sure he stays on the field. And as long as Jimmy G put people in the right positions, he might not get you major fantasy points, but he will get you wins. It looks like the Rams are officially in shambles. I mean, this is what happens when you trade a lot of your pieces for the long term, um, for the short term, and don't have any long term options, especially the few you've made. You know, Bobby Wagner's been fine, but Allen Robinson looks like uh, he doesn't even deserve to play football in the mm-hmm. NFL anymore. Really, really bad stuff. Um, do we consider the 49ers a top team in the N- in the NFL? You know, we've been back and forth with them, but does this game against the former champions make it official? I mean, in my opinion, the 49ers major weakness is, you know, they've they're missing some key players on the offensive line. So if they're facing a team that yeah, has a strong pass rush, then Jimmy G's an average quarterback. He's always going to be an average quarterback. That's how you beat this team. If you can't get a pass rush on the 49ers, yeah, they're one of the best teams in football. I mean, like NFC or AFC. I think they have the talent at almost every position to be a great team. And I would be scared to face them in any circumstance. I think they're dangerous. And yeah, I think this could be a Super Bowl team. They've they've yeah, been uh, in, especially in the Shanahan era, you know, two close but no cigars and um, some tough playoff losses. But could this be the one team that uh, makes it work? Um, Brian, were you saying something? Yeah, they just have too many weapons, and I would say where they have failed um, previously, I would say is because of the lack of the ability to be a balanced team in the run game. You know, the only reason why we have Debo Samuel as a as, as a dual threat now with the running game is because they didn't really have a running back to really, you know, be explosive. And now that you have Christian McCaffrey, like, it, you know, you go into, let's say, a playoff game and, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy G does get, you know, handicapped because of the pass rush. Guess what? You have the ability for a guy to extend plays in the run. I think that's very key on them now. They can be balanced, which will then open play action, which is, in my opinion, Jimmy G's uh, 
you know, where that's his bread and butter. That's a very Patriot like offense where he grew up in as, as a young player. And when he went over here, when he does, you know, when he does play action, he succeeds. So I think that has to be their formula. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, I, I can't disagree with anything you guys said. Um, I know I was talking out of my ass earlier about Minnesota and their competitive hierarchy, you know, uh, amongst the NFC teams, but the reason that I can't go to um, to the great beyond with San Francisco, why I can't put them in this in the Super Bowl, or I mean, I'm sorry, vibing for the Super Bowl um, in the NFC is because I just I just can't I can't get there with Jimmy G. Um, I think it, it's it's con, it's going to continue to be the elephant in the room to the remainder of the season. Um, Again, I love everything about this team, offense and defense. I think they're well-balanced. They have a great run game now in addition with C-Mac. And when you get Debo back from the hamstring, whenever that time may be, you already have another layer of explosiveness. But um, and, and a credit, you know, a credit to Kyle Shanahan, too, because he dominated the second half, 21 nothing, shutting him out. Like, that was just, you know, a statement game for a team that has already dominated the Rams, but really, like, cemented and said, like, no, this is, like, the, you you guys are our bitch. <laughs> um, so, you know, like, I, I don't have any doubts with this roster with San Fran. It's just I just can't – I can't hook my name with Jimmy G going to the Super Bowl again. Hey man, the only the only contrary to that is Jimmy G led his team to a lead in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. You don't think with the extra experience and the better weapons since then, you still don't think he can, you know, win that fourth quarter and win it all? Frankly, I mean, no. And it's and it and actually if if we're just gonna like break down the tape from that Super Bowl that they blew. I think actually more responsibility, you know, bears at the feet of Kyle Shanahan in that particular instance. But I think looking back, if we're going to, you know, um, assess this team and how far they can go, I think in this particular context for the season, I think it's more about Jimmy G and the questions that remain with him. And we'll see, you know, he could, he could totally prove me wrong. I could eat more crow. You know, I think this game was more about the Rams than it was the 49ers, though, because the 49ers have beaten the Rams, what, 10 times in a row now in the regular yeah. season? 10 yep. times in a row? Like, yeah. that, that shouldn't even be possible. But, you know, here we are, Rams losing to the 49ers again. Um, I'm not picking the Rams to be the 49ers anytime in the next few years. Yep. But, um, yeah, man, the Rams are in shambles. I think they got a punt on this year. I, I think it's it's not a matter of, like, Oh, we're, we're like one player away or we're like one scheme away. It's like they are an inferior team to all these top teams in the NFL right now. And they got to just, I think, embrace the fact that they're not going to the playoffs this year. A real, I'll tell I was just saying a real dent for Sean McVay's career so far. Who's been, yep. been stellar, but yeah, absolutely. Losing season is not looking good. You were saying, Brian? If I'm then, I might actually be looking to draft a quarterback in this draft. There's a lot of quarterbacks, and like I'm really not liking Matt Stafford. He's not looking good, and I think age is going to catch up on him with injuries because the way he got his ass kicked in the beginning of his years in Detroit, and now with the injuries with his elbow and stuff like that throughout the season, like I think it's it, it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a bad idea to get the heir apparent now. Hey, I don't well, disagree I with that. Um, 
especially, you know, Matt Stafford, borderline Hall of Famer statistically, did win the Super Bowl he needed. Um, you know, you could go and flip a coin either way there. If this is it for his career, I, he's had a stellar, stellar career and a lot to get a lot of credit for. If, if it is time to get the new person in line. And in fairness, too, like we haven't really seen Sean McVay, like what he looks like with his guy because he inherited Goff and then he brought in Stafford as kind of the exchange to get them over the top. But it would be interesting to see kind of like what, you know, the mad scientist would come up with um, if he had his way. So, yeah, dude. Yeah. All right. Upsets, whimpers, and thrillers. One thing I added, and um, Desmond, when you make your picks, if you could include the spread, That'd be great. If you don't have it, I have it in front of me as well. Oh, we're doing the spread now? No, no. Just <laughs> just saying this. You make your picks, but I'm just saying the spread in general. Oh, so you, okay. don't, you don't have to pick the points or you don't have to put that in your picks per se. I'm just saying if you could just address the spread of what it is, but make your pick after that. All right. All right. So why don't we start with you? Upsets, whippers and thrillers. Week nine, the true halfway point. And uh, first week of November, two months to go, gentlemen. Where are we starting off with your upset this week, Mr. Price? Oh, actually, let me go third on this one. I haven't had a time to look through the schedule <laughs> yet. Get, let me no uh, come, no come back to me. Come back to me. Um, I'll start it off with this. And my upset this week, I think Atlanta goes over the Chargers with Miami five-point favorites. I think Atlanta, you know – not to essentially steal your point from about half an hour ago, Desmond, because you did say it first as well, um, that if Atlanta wins, you get you put stock into them if they defeat the Chargers coming off a bye. But <laughs> momentum's on their side. They are when you have good weapons like Kyle Pitts out there for the tight end position. Um, you're making all these young guys look really, really good. I think uh, for a Chargers team that has had such a mess, especially defensively, it's going to be hard for them to keep up. And uh, Atlanta will show why maybe they are the ones winning the division in the NFC South. Like it. I like it. Um, uh, my upset, um, this is probably a popular one for you guys, but I'm going to take Detroit defeating Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Matt, I'll have to defer to you for the spread. I haven't looked at it. No worries. No worries. So for that one, um, Green Bay is only a three and a half point favorite. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's being I think that's being complimentary because I think that Green Bay is in a real spiral right now. And I think that Detroit's playing with I think Detroit's playing with nothing to lose and they already hate this team. So um, I think that this is an easy uh, this is an easy upset. pick. And historically, Aaron Rodgers has had the Lions number. If he really loses that one. I know. You get your sixth loss in November, <laughs> in the first week of November, then then it, and he's healthy too. Then then it, it it's as slow as you could get from Mister Rogers. So Brian, why don't we go with you with the next one? And then I think I have the craziest upset of the week, and I have Carolina over Cincinnati. I think it's dumpster fire time. I think it's dumpster fire time for oh, the Bengals. I think. They're going to fall apart without Jamar Chase because of, you know, when you remove that guy, everyone now is, you know, you you could, you could double up T Higgins. You could double up Tyler Boyd. You could force, you know, the ball through Hayden Hurst's hand nets now, or Joe Mixon who's not having a good year. So, you know, 
I also think Carolina is somewhat like with PJ Walker playing extremely efficient. The run game is they are. I honest to be honest with you, I think Deontay Foreman for the Panthers this season is playing better than the way CMC was playing this year for the Panthers. Wow. You know, in a run sense, not a utility, <laughs> but it just in a run sense, he's been grinding more. He's like a mini Derrick Henry. Um, I, I, I expect him to pull this one out. It's a, they're plus seven for the spread. Um, and I think, I think they'll, yeah, I think they'll cover it. Okay. Man, you straight stole my pick. <laughs> God. There's always so many upsets. I mean, that, that one's glaring at me. I think the Bengals are, are going to be like thinking they're going to supposed to like win that game and they're going to go, they're going to walk into a Panthers team who's been playing inspired since they got rid of Anderson and CMC. Yeah, so I think you're 100% right. I like that game a lot too, but I will pick a different one for the sake of having a different one here. Um, I like the Commanders to beat the Vikings. Vikings are a three and a half point favorite. I do not believe in the Vikings. I do not. I do not think that they are a great team. I think they are overrated. And I think that they are going to not play that well on the road in Washington against a team who, frankly, you know, knows they're not getting any respect. They're constantly in a stadium where kind of like the Rams, but not to the same degree, like the road fans come in and they dominate, you know, the home fans. And I think the commanders are good enough to beat the Vikings. I think the Vikings need to come back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, three and a half point spread for Minnesota with the, those points. Uh, no one wants to take the uh, Bills, thirteen point favorites against the Jets. That they're gonna somehow win it. <laughs> you would need Joe. You would need Joe Namath to, to sober up and go play the quarterback. Oh, you know the funniest somebody said on the fan a caller said, and I think this fan is just delusional. The, the final score is going to be six to three Jets. So yeah, the Jets are gonna hold. Maybe if it's those to three points. No, and it's going to be like a historically hot November in the East Coast. So nice. we're in the 70s. I mean, Dude, I, real, real quick, my forecast Friday through Sunday, Friday through Monday, it's going to be 76 here. Well, insane. We can talk about those climate change issues for another day on that. But no, no um, snow is going to affect that. It's going to be. Literally an early season game weather-wise, but what the hell? Anyways, the Wimpers this week, I think there's a lot of hilarious selections for this. One I picked is the Bills over the Jets. I mean, it's going to be a a real beatdown. You have a near-perfect team versus a team that could not be more frustrating in the sense that they have talent and they don't really know what to do with everybody, especially the quarterback position. I think they'll... I mean, Zach Wilson is going to have a problem when you had, uh, when you have that team coming at you. They're getting major players they need back on the team. <coughs> it's going to be a mess. It is going to be a real freaking mess. And and watch Naheem Himes having 150 uh, yard on the 150 yards on the ground, and Stephon Diggs. He's just gonna. Um, and when you played Madden, there was that. There was that animation where you put the football behind your back. That's what they'll do when you have Bryce Hall trying to catch them and stuff. It's going to be a mess. That's going to be hilarious and fun to watch. I feel bad for everyone playing the Bills this year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 13 point spread on that. Alex, what's next? Which game's going to suck? 
Oh, uh, you're gonna you're gonna do me the honors of selling my own team down the river. Uh, oh, Vegas <laughs> going to Vegas going to Jacksonville. That is a turd waiting to pinch out. Um, I will not be I will not be watching that game. Just uh, <laughs> honoring honoring my promise from uh, earlier in the pod. And um, yeah, I hope to see some uh, real uh, improvement reps from uh, Trevor Lawrence just out of spite. Oh man, you are a one point favorite in this. I don't care. Don't believe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Brian, which game's gonna suck? I think it's the worst game. I like. I like. No one could actually. It's probably the (laughs) two most boring games ever. The uh, teams ever. The Colts versus the Patriots. Like, I literally could fall asleep. I could fall asleep if it was only two thousand five or something. Yeah, like this is just mundane. Like it's there's gonna be 50 carries combined. It might be the quickest game in NFL history because they're just gonna run the ball and the clock out so much. <laughs> like it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. All I care about this game is I see Sam Ellinger just continue to progress and maybe he'll make himself a little bit of a career. Besides that, no one should watch this game. Uh, but I would still take the Colts at Colts at plus five and a half. This is like a whimper upset. I expect the Colts to beat the Patriots. I'll take that. Uh, um, yeah, so the Buccaneers are three-point favorites at home against the Rams. I think that's the whimper. I think both these offenses are inept. And these two I, played in a playoff game last year. And that's ancient history for these two. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think either team cracks 20 points. And you yeah, know what would also be – snooze. I don't know if the whipper per se. I think this would be a great game to bet to do prop bets on when you have the Eagles going against the the, um, the Texans, Texans, which is kind of hilarious because the both their MLB franchises from both towns. I'm so upset about Thursday, man. I'm not gonna lie to you. But Maybe I, that's a World Series clincher night. That's what I'm saying. Like you know, living out here in Montana, I don't get to watch that many nationally televised Eagles games, and like the one one of the few that's on the schedule this year has to be the same day. <laughs> As game five of the World Series, man. Come oh, on, man. Do we get do we get to break the surprise for Desmond? No, don't be. Don't, oh, there's, okay, no, all right. there's no nothing. No, no, oh, man. no, no spoilers. <laughs> I didn't say anything. Um, but yeah, that, that's gonna be a funny one to mention. 14 point favorites. Oh man. Uh, let me say if that if the if Houston is the one to start the to give them their first loss. What, Any what given it? Sunday, you, n- you never know. <laughs> You never know. Yeah, or Thursday in this sense. <laughs> I would be so happy if that happened. Oh. Oh. Um, I love Houston. That's why. Though. I just, I, they have fight. <laughs> How about for the few thrilling games this week? I um, I actually said Washington over Minnesota would be a thrilling game. I really think Terrell Heineke can uh, kill the momentum against Kirk Cousins and his former team. Um, I think despite the uh, the – the three point three and a half point spread. Washington's at home. They're off of two really good wins, much needed wins, and um, maybe they caught they catch Minnesota at a bad time and they pull off this huge win and continue to add to the continued dominance of the NFC East. So, so yeah, I like that. Who wants to go next? Oh. Um, 
Thriller. So someone already mentioned this game, but I recategorized it as a thriller just by virtue of an offensive shootout. But I like uh, Chargers going into Atlanta. I think that's going to be a red hot offensive uh, juggernaut of a game. I mean, we saw what Atlanta did with just with Carolina. The both teams combined for well over 800 yards of offense. So I think the similar uh, result is going to you know ensue in this game as well. I like that pick. That's 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 that's, that's a real good one. Eat it up. Eat it up. So for my thriller, I actually have the Las Vegas Raiders versus Jacksonville Jaguars on the what? fact that they have both have no defenses, and I uh, expect it to be I expect it to be a big offensive day on both sides. A because the Raiders have to respond on offense after an abysmal game. So I'm oh, expecting yeah. I'm expecting Josh Jacobs, 35 carries, you know, a bloody nose and a bunch of band-aids for him. <laughs> I expect Devontae Adams to have a big game. I'd love to see Darren Waller come back and actually make some plays this season because he's looking like shit. Um, and then with Jacksonville, um, they're just – the offense is electric, and I just think that they will tear through the Raiders' defense. So I expect this, this game is like a 38-35 kind of game very similar to atlanta versus carolina okay i wouldn't be upset you know i've seen like three different ones here that i think could be but i'm I'm gonna settle on just one of them i um i'm excited for this bears dolphins game i think Mm -hmm. that um with the bears retooling their offense a little bit um claypool coming in to playing this week I am very interested to see what the Bears are going to do for the third time in a row with this new scheme that they got going on. And the Dolphins offense is fantastic. I mean, Waddle and Hill together, the best two receiver tandem in the yeah. entire league. And the Dolphins are 5-0 and with two as the quarterback. Yep. Oh, wow. So, I didn't even realize that. This is what happens when you win. You um, forget all the bad juju and PR, and that's what Miami has been able to pull off. So it should be a good and exciting time for that. But, gentlemen, this was a great time as always. We will see you next week, and uh, let's have a good first weekend in November. Desmond Price, Brian McKeon, and Alex Ranelio, thank you, gentlemen. Till next time, see you soon. Good job, Alex, Brian, and Desmond. Very, very, very insightful conversation regarding week eight in the NFL. Good stuff. Lots of fun. And thumbs up. Good things ahead. Good, good things ahead. So let's hear Ramblin' Russ. Let's hear what he has to say in terms of picks for the college football and NFL week ahead so let's get to it ramblin russ with his picks of the week here we go good afternoon and welcome to ramblin russ's nfl picks for week number nine in the nfl in the league where they play for pay we start off on thursday evening folks thursday evening in houston where the philadelphia eagles the undefeated philadelphia eagles Take on those Houston Texans. And, folks, we're going to start with a common theme for this week as we give you pick number one. We are going to take the Houston Texans plus 
plus 13 and a half points at home. Houston Texans plus 13 and a half points at home on Thursday night. Game number two, we're going to go to Sunday, one o'clock, MetLife Stadium. Beautiful MetLife Stadium where last week the Jets laid a big egg against Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots who basically own the New York Jets. 13 straight now for Belichick over the Jets. But this is not the, the Patriots playing. This is the Buffalo Bills. And you know what, folks? You're going to think that this is a joke, this game, but I'm going to take the Jets. I'm coming right back with the New York Jets plus 12 and a half. That's right. The Jets plus 12 and a half is game number two. Lots of reasons, one of which will be slightly a little bit of a letdown uh, for the Bills after they destroy Green Bay on national television. They're going to come to MetLife Stadium and they're going to lay a big egg. Uh, I'm not saying that uh, they're going to upset the, the Bills, but it will be closer than two touchdowns. Uh, again, 12 and a half points. You basically are getting two touchdowns. Same thing with the Houston game on Thursday night. So both home dogs, both big home dogs, I like both big home dogs. This is the NFL. This is not college football. This is the NFL, folks, and I like them. I like those those two teams. I'm going to go with... Uh, Another game on Sunday, a road a road dog, uh, sticking with my theme of dogs here. Carolina Panthers plus seven and a half against the Cincinnati Bengals. Seven and a half is just a little bit too much to lay to a team that's been playing very hard. They lose, they win, they've they've beat some teams, they play hard. They they blew a game last week. The kid took the helmet off. I look for Carolina to keep it close in Cincinnati. Again, Cincinnati was humiliated on national TV last night, Monday Night Football. Doesn't matter. They're they're going through some pains. They got the receivers out. Carolina plus the seven and a half. Definitely get on that hook. And the last play, the fourth play of my set of plays, would you expect anything less than to me to stay with the double-digit underdog? I'm going to take the Tennessee Titans plus the 12 and a half against the Kansas City Chiefs. 12 and half just too many to give in, in professional football uh, on this Sunday so I'm going to take the Tennessee Titans plus the 12 and a half so you've got four plays all underdogs Tennessee plus 12 and a half we have Carolina plus seven and a half the Jets at home plus the 12 and a half and Thursday night football start your week off right with a little underdog there Houston plus 13 and a half turn the page we look to week number 10 here in the college football scene last week uh, Ramlin Ross myself yours truly was a whopping three wins and one victory and one defeat three and one last week obviously the big winner Connecticut 13 to three over Boston College uh, this week we uh, we we turn to some interesting ball games here, and I'm going to start with Friday night. Oregon State taking on the Washington Huskies. Uh, the Huskies come in as a four-point choice over the Oregon State Beavers. Uh, I believe the spread is wrong in this game. I will take Oregon State plus the four points against the Washington Huskies. Um, the next game, I, I know the line is high. I know it's very high. Ohio State is is taking on the Northwestern Wildcats. Uh, the spread is 38 points. I believe Ohio State will win by over 40 points. So Ohio State will be pick number two. Pick number two. Uh, another game Friday night features the UMass Minutemen traveling to Rensselaer Field to take on those UConn Huskies. And uh, like a good fan, like a good 
good fan. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with my Huskies. I'm gonna lay the 15 points. Uh, uh, if you get them at 14, that's even better. But 15 points, UConn minus 15 over UMass. And so we're we're really looking at uh, we're looking at one dog and two two chalks so far. And then we're going to take. Uh, we're gonna go with another favorite here. Uh, we're gonna do a Texas. Uh, the Texas Christian University Horn Frogs. Uh, the horn, the, the the sound will be going off. Beep beep beep. In the in the stands, they'll they'll be honking the horn because TCU will route the Texas Tech Red Raiders. It will be a high scoring game. Uh, Texas Christian University minus the nine and a half. So to recap. To recap, we have UConn Friday night minus the 15. We have Ohio State minus the 38. We have the Oregon State Beavers, the Beavers, to upend the Huskies, plus four, Washington Huskies, that is, on Saturday. And finally, we have the TCU Horn Frogs to defeat the Texas Tech Raid Raiders. Good luck, everybody. Good luck. Enjoy the games, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Ramblin' Russ Miller, thank you very much for your picks. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media or on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdcomaPod, or on TikTok at Productive Conversations. Great work, gentlemen. Great work to the greatest fans and listeners in the world for supporting us great NFL show comes to an end. We'll see you next week with NFL coverage. We might have some surprises, especially with all the stuff going on in the NBA. And we also have some in-studio podcasts coming up for you as well. So tune in next week to see what we have in store for each and every single one of you. I want to thank again Ramblin' Russ Miller for his picks, Alex Ranillo, Desmond Price, and Brian McKeon on the panel talking week nine, week eight into week nine. And I'd like to thank Alex DeJesus for what he does behind the scenes for us as well. And thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world. And now I introduce to you our new outro song. The artist is Saint Wave. The song is called FaceTime. Find it on Spotify. Find it on Apple Music. Find it on all streaming platforms. Saint Wave is going to many places. He is a talented rapper. He knows how to have flow. He has great production. And all in all, he makes you feel good. So proud to have him a part of the show from here on out. This is FaceTime. Performed by Saint Wave. The future is bright, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you next week. Peace. Your glow, glow Really hitting on the moonlight Tunes right